listening to WMNF Tampa. Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show here on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Today's guests are Lynn Barber and Julia Palaszczuk, and we are talking about Florida-friendly landscaping. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and the amazing Annie Ellis. Woohoo, Kenny! Double amazing. <laughs> oh my God, applause, applause. <laughs> we have people in the studio know, today. It's so exciting. I Bill, love it. Bill Grace is working the boards, and Greg is answering your calls. So Always exciting to have Bill on the in the studio. Always great to be here. Thank yes. you. <laughs> so stay tuned as we talk about the importance of Florida-friendly landscaping and we balance people, profit, and planet. Yes, we do. We try to, that's for sure, because we have to. Um, so, Lynn, I want to introduce these lovely ladies who are in the house, I got to say. Mm-hmm. So happy. Um, we have Lynn Barber, who's worked at the UF Extension for the past 18 years. She's given back hundreds of hours in environmental uh, horticulture education to the community. I would probably venture to say more than hundreds. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> Lynn's home landscape has been on tour and featured in several newspapers as well. She's also writing... Uh, in the Tampa Bay Times, uh, along with our uh, our pal um, Kitty Wallace. Kitty Wallace, mm-hmm. thank you very much. Her name just emptied out of my brain. Um, and Julia Palaszczuk. Very good. It's only because I have it written out. <laughs> Uh, But you're welcome. Uh, Specializes in residential irrigation efficiency, helping customers save water and save cash. Uh, She lived in her Sulphur Springs bungalow home for 29 years, where she tends to more than 100 species of plants, including a street garden for seasonal vegetables, which I think is so sweet. She puts things out there and doesn't care if anybody takes it. That's right. It's not stealing. It's giving. Which is just fabulous. I love that. So I also want to let y'all know that I met these two ladies a long time, well, a while back, um, uh, 2020. I won the Hillsborough County Waterwise Award, which I never do anything like that. And they came over, and lo and behold, uh, after inspection, I won. I couldn't believe it. And uh, so we did a video, and it was a lot of fun. And I just they're just wonderful, wonderful people and so knowledgeable. So we're just thrilled, Kenny and I. Uh, well, and uh, Bill's excited Bill's too. Bill's excited too. We can tell. <laughs> oh, my heart just fluttered. Calm down, Bill. I know it settled down in his house. But we learned a lot from you too, Annie. Did you I really? have to say yes. Oh, that's right. I remember you telling me that that uh, my seat started. That's track it. Was I like used genius. my seat table yesterday, all oh, because of you. See, I love that. Gardeners are so giving like that, right? They so are. we decided, uh, well, Kenny, actually, give Kenny credit, uh, that we'd start with the uh, nine Florida-friendly landscaping principles and then just rift on that. So uh, I'm going to lead out. And um, so let me see. Uh, so let's see. Uh, principle one is my favorite, right plant, right place. And I'd even add right time. Uh, and what does that mean, and how do you guys implement that? And we'll start with Lynn. Okay. Um, right plant, right place means that it's a plant that can survive where you want it to be planted. So you need to know, does that plant like sun? 
shade, part sun, part shade. You need to know if it is native or non-native, which is very important to many people. Uh, and if it's non-native, it needs to be adaptive and it should not, definitely not be an invasive plant. Thank you very much. And the University of Florida has a great website that shows you invasive plants and you can look them up if you're not sure and put it in by common name and then you don't have to worry about it after that. But you need to make sure that um, plants need water mm. in order to become established. So it may be a drought tolerant plant, but you still need to give it a drink in the beginning because that's how it ends up with the, the root growth and the shoot growth. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny you say that because uh, when people say Xeriscape that starts with an X, they think it's Xeroscape with a Z. And so then they put in something that's, you know, drought tolerant and they give it zero water. So you are a specialty in water. Uh, so what would you yes. like to talk about with that, Julia? Well, I always point our customers to UF IFAS Go Gators. I mean, not only did they invent Gatorade, but they do all of the research that tells us the appropriate way to grow food and landscape plants. I mean, that's that's the core of it. So with when uh, Lynn talked about making sure you water that plant for establishment, that generally speaking, that's 28 weeks for a tree or a shrub. Thank you for the number. And so along with that then is, uh, you know, knowing how much water, if you're using automatic irrigation, how much water is that putting out in gallons? gallons per minute and uh, and then UF IFAS again those publications telling you very very succinctly in these neat little tables how often should I do that and how many minutes based on the type of irrigation that I have mm -hmm. so it takes a lot of the guesswork out it's a guideline but it's a starting point now you said 28 weeks did you mean 28 days uh, no, 28 weeks really? for trees and shrubs. That's a lot of time. So people do not even expect that at all. Mm -hmm. They would think a, a month and then back right. it off. You know? Whereas sod takes about 30 days. Yes. But, uh, but a tree or a shrub, mm -hmm. uh, you're not watering as intensively, mm -hmm. um, but it's for an extended duration. And uh, that gives uh, the the containerized roots time to move out from that root ball into the surrounding environment very good point because it's woody uh roots it's not a you know like a little uh, annual plant right kind of thing. So right talking a, trees and shrubs a harder this mm -hmm. thing so i think that that's a, a great one uh, oh one thing i wanted to add to it is when you do uh the right place the right uh let's see, right plant, right place, is if you do groupings, that they all have the same water requirements. That's exactly. correct. So just wanted to throw that in there. And now I'm done with one. <laughs> well, in addition to the same water requirements, they need the same soil conditions. That's the same correct. Yeah. Climate and light. that plant guide that FFL put together, you can even see it online, gives you the rundown for each plant, goes through all of it, That's pH, nice. sunlight, water, whether or not it attracts birds or butterflies, and it will tell you very easily at a glance whether or not that's the plant for you. That's wonderful. And Good that resource. guide is free. You know what? We'll put it on a link um, on our uh, Facebook page mm -hmm. so people can just touch it and go straight to it. So that'll be great. And kudos to the Water Management District for printing those every day for free and oh, wow. sending them out. 
Oh, wow. They you do, can you order can it online. It yep. mailed. Southwest Florida Water Management District does. So if people go to their website, they can order all of these free publications, and there are dozens and dozens of them. They're all amazing. about FFL. Mm-hmm. And if you know a teacher, there's children, <laughs> activities, yes. coloring books. Yeah, because he was a teacher. Free posters. <laughs> You're right. All good stuff. All right. So, so speak, nice. speaking of water, we're going to go back to Julia. And principle number two for the nine Florida-friendly landscape principles is water efficiently. And uh, Julia, what are some ways that we can do that? Well, yes, water efficiently is my favorite, you know, principle. So number one, going back to understanding where we're at and what season is it? A lot of people sort of joke about Florida having two seasons. It's either raining or it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a little more subtle than that. We do have four seasons. But one of the things is in these beautiful rainy summers, if you have an automatic irrigation system, you can... You can take the initiative to turn it off. Um, one of the things that UFIFAS does, go Gators, uh, Lynn's <laughs> program especially, is give away rain gauges. It's the simplest thing. I grew up with them on the farm. We checked it all the time and even documented that rainfall for the next year. Um, but knowing an inch is great, watering can wait for sure. You oh, know? an inch is great. Watering can wait. Right, okay. right. And so, in the in those summer months, uh, the the water does or the rain does all of that for us. Now, as you go into the fall and winter, that's when I start using more water because I'm putting in my vegetable gardens and knowing how to water. There's so many different ways to water. Automatic irrigation is one of them, but it also, with automatic, you have different ways to apply the water, either a soaker hose or that brown tubing with the little holes in it or the things that spray out or the rotors that turn. And each of those is for a very specific situation. Now, the majority of the time, our automatic irrigation, we're watering sod or lawns. They have their place, and they, and they can be useful, and they can filter runoff and, uh, you know, provide a place for, to, for play. Um, but, yes, appropriate lawns and then knowing how much that lawn needs season to season. And, again, Dr. Dukes with uh, UFIFAS tells exactly how many minutes that needs. And one last thing on watering efficiently because we got more principles, right? Uh, Those automatic irrigation systems, most of them have a seasonal budget percent feature. Use that. It's so easy. So, for example, in the summer, even though it's raining a lot, that's longest days, hottest days, you need 100% of that water requirement. Most come from rain, sometimes from irrigation. In the fall, you drop that back. Days are getting shorter. Temperature is dropping. Growth is slowing. Drop it down to 60% of those minutes. So you don't have to change each zone. You just use the percent. Winter, down to 20%. Wow. And then spring back up to 80% as the days get longer, the temperatures are heating up, and things are starting to grow again. Very easy principle. Very good. I never even thought about that. Can I just throw in uh, something quick about... Sure, throw it in. All right, so we do uh, have these programs called uh, Micro-Irrigation Water-Wise Workshops. We announce those as our events. Yay! <laughs> uh, we charge a whooping $5 in the... Oh, tri- can't mention money. Oh, sorry. That's okay. We don't charge anything then. <laughs> 
even say free. Okay. Whatever. I'm not saying Go anything. to the Eventbrite and, and fill it out. Check it out. <laughs> I'm always in trouble. Oh, God. It's okay, right. so, anyhow. But for an affordable cost. There you go. That's <laughs> right. our words. <laughs> you can do the water. The micro-irrigation, which is and the pounds and the patio yeah. and a vegetable garden. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we have all those three. And uh, the good thing about that is that it's gallons per hour, not mm-hmm. gallons per minute, which is a traditional in-ground irrigation system. So that's... It's really more efficient, effective, right. and uh, easier to understand, too, really. Cheaper. Yeah. You know, I wanted to mention that, it's just, okay, so uh, I wanted to mention that uh, they, they gave me uh, a water uh, gauge for my irrigation system when they came by. It was a hilari- rain sensor. It was hilarious. So I don't even use my irrigation system ever, uh, hardly ever. And I had a leak, and I didn't know it because they turned it on, and I had two leaks. And I was standing there going, oh, you're not going to mark me off on that. I never used that system. <laughs> and so I fixed it, and I sent them a picture, <laughs> and then installed the meter. It was kind of funny. <laughs> All right, so I want to finish up with principle number two with uh, Julia, and then, uh, Annie, you can ask. Sorry. Lynn, about principle number three. But first, because we're talking about water, Julia, can you tell us how much water do people use at their homes and then... You uh, in your bio, we know that you only use about sixty-three gallons a day for two adults in your yard. Very so, impressive. how do you do that? Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up, Kenny. Yeah. Overall, you know, as the water department, we have to do a lot of reporting, and we look at water a lot of different ways. And overall, just straight math, uh, we would say we uh, do about one hundred and ten gallons per person per day. Um, Now, that varies widely individually. And so, as you pointed out, you know, I I look at my water number. I want everybody to look at their water number. If you get a bill, you know what your water number is. You might have to look at the bill and do a little bit of calculation, but it tells you how much water you used each day of that month. Well, over the month. So, um, you know, for us, me and my husband, uh, yeah, overall, big average, about 60-something gallons a day. Now, as I get into my veggie growing season, I might go higher than that. Maybe 89 is my average for the winter season because, yes, I have looked at my water use going back to 2017 <laughs> and analyzed it and graphed it and all these things, you know, because it's just that important sure. to understand. Very important that we have a basis for knowing what do we use from our environment? How do we take care of that natural resource? So um, when automatic irrigation comes into play, I see that number go into the thousands of gallons per day. Wow. So I'm thinking like for myself, what are people using water for? Just, just their, because I'm thinking I go to the bathroom outside when I can. And I, I take a shower. Like I, I clean the dishes and I have an. Laundry. Laundry. Yeah, but I'm not doing laundry every day. So, so are, I mean, mm-hmm. so are mo- because we're talking about the nine Florida friendly principles, are most people just using it on their landscape? Or yes. are people just washing dishes a Very lot? Very good point. <laughs> they eat a lot. <laughs> as much as 50% of the potable water goes on to lawns. Oh, and this is not just God. a regional number. This is nationwide. And, and so it, 
the thought that comes into my head with regards to the problems that we see that we face as a nation with water resources what if we all were just so very careful with the irrigation what if we decided maybe because i grew up on a farm we didn't irrigate our crops and we survived very nicely yeah. Uh, we had a well. We had to know how much was in the well. Had to go for animals and everything. So we can do this. We can be much more aware of our water use. And when drought comes to us, because it will, it has and it will, and the, we'll, we'll be much better off. It would yeah. be nice if every new resident in the state of Florida received information about the importance of water and water conservation People where I live run their irrigation system every single day, and I think it's because they have no idea what they're doing and why it's running. I don't think people is. intend to do that. You're, You're right. It's, and that's why we like to spend a lot of time talking to people about irrigation. That's very sweet. Of so me. next week we have uh, Professor uh, Gaber Michael from USF, who's the Director of Water Sustainability, and he's going to be talking about the global and the local situation of how, how there's not enough water. And he comes from a country in Africa where they don't have portable water. They have to, you know, traditionally walk many miles to get water just to clean, but clean or clean drinking water, but it also prevents them from being sanitary. So it's kind of amazing that his life mission now from seeing his local community has changed. So stay tuned for next week. Yeah, Very that's going to be it's going to be interesting. You know, that's a really great point because when you were saying that, I was thinking, I don't know if they'd even read it, or even if they did read it, uh, would they do anything? And what that is to us is that we've never had to be in that situation like this young man or old man. Mm-hmm. I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who lived in that situation where they had to know what that water was going to be used for. I've lived out in Hawaii where we had to catch our water. We had a, you know, uh, a container and we had to catch our water. And so we were very, very conscious of what we were doing. We did Faro, you know, Japanese style bathing outside, get in the tub. And so unless you do something like that. So I want to remind listeners that this is the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guests are Lynn Barber and Julia Palachchek. We are talking about Florida-friendly landscaping. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on air. And I do have an email. Oh, good. I actually have three emails, but it's from the same person. He's very passionate about this question. <laughs> okay. And it's Mike in St. Pete, and he wants to know if all of the extension, you know, there's an extension office in each county. He wants to know if they're all in bed with Monsanto <laughs> since they promote glyphosate. So they I'm promote. asking you because I do hear this sometimes from other people as well. Okay. So I know you don't represent, you know, you're representing yourself today, but can you tell us anything about Monsanto or? I really, I really don't know very much about Monsanto, but I do not believe that the University of Florida has any agreement with Monsanto to the best of my knowledge. Um, and, I think the next principle that we have is fertilize appropriately. Yes, <laughs> right. Fertilize appropriately, which is very important. 
So when you get new turf grass, well, it's already been fertilized before it's cut. So when you get it installed at your house, you don't need to fertilize it. No, you'll uh, actually cause problems if you do. Absolutely. Well, it's going to... It's going to run off. Uh, it's going to be over-fertilized. Right. It's not healthy for the turf. So yeah. you need to know things like that or ask those questions. But you should be informed when you have that installed, if you ever, which I discourage you from doing. <laughs> no grass. Well, turf grass does take more water than landscape plants. Absolutely. So, and... Uh, People want it to be green, but yeah. there are other options. There are ground covers as opposed to turf that have less inputs required. So less fertilizer, less pest management, less water. Perennial peanut versus St. Augustine. Uh, I have that the St. Augustine removed from uh, my easement area where I live and put in perennial peanut. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's beautiful. It's blooming. It's great. Flowers are edible, too. They're delicious. They taste just like raw peanuts. They are edible. However, I have a lot of people that walk their dogs past my house, so I am not consuming the flowers. Oh, Oh, yeah. Little urine's like I kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know. I'm just kidding. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. That subject brought up, to me, it seems like it's because when you go and read about how to manage uh, weeds and pest management, and that sort of stuff, they are very quick to break up the fact of using Roundup and different uh, herbicides and pesticides and stuff like that. And I think that that's probably where that comes from uh, because I don't believe in any of that stuff. And so, but I do read it. And sometimes if I'm going to do like a post to answer somebody's question on some of the garden sites that I'm on, um, I will make sure that I read that that is not in there because I will not post that part. So in mm-hmm. any kind of uh, University of uh, South Florida uh, information, if it U- has that. No, UF. UF, excuse me. What would that be? University of Florida? University U- of UF. Florida. Yeah. University of Florida. Okay, thank you. Uh, so with that, I won't post it if, it if it even includes that because of the very reason what this young man brought up or old man, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I want to point out that all of these things, irrigation, um, Uh, and pesticides and fertilizers and herbicides all originate in the agricultural community. Right. And uh, as a a farm person watching, uh, you know, what my parents and grandparents did and my brothers and us, we, first of all, it's very expensive. So you never used more than you would ever need. Just like counting your Because water, you had that it, went directly yeah. against your profit. Mm-hmm. So I think part of the danger that we've found is bringing these agricultural things into the urban environment where they can make things easier, uh-huh. but then they are over, overused. That's a very good point because uh, if we... If, People are real quick to get an instant gratification, and so they would do that, you know, and then they're going to have Madge, who knows, you know, a thimble full of uh, information, advise them uh, online to to go out and get that. Sorry, Madge, if you're listening. (laughs) And then we have Florida-friendly landscaping principles, which just puts you right in the correct lane. That's correct. And so our principle three is to fertilize appropriately. Uh, And so what does that mean, and how do we implement that? Well, that means as needed, as it's needed. It doesn't have to be a regular 
regimen. Uh, you see a lot of companies that provide services like that on a monthly basis. Uh, is it required? No. Is it needed necessarily? No. Um, think about it. What's, what is in our soil? Are you asking nutrients. that question? Yeah, a lot of nutrients. <laughs> yeah. So Microsia, earthworms, what, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. It should have all those. Think yeah. about fertilizer. So you have NPK, right? Nitrogen, phosphorus, phosphorus. potassium. Okay. We already have phosphorus mm-hmm. in our soil. Think about all the phosphate mining and all of that. Mm-hmm. So look at the number. Mm-hmm. You don't need a big number. The number could even be zero if you could purchase it. So good point. So what they could do is take a soil sample and take it down to y'all's place and have it read to find out what they are missing and what they need. Correct. So then they would absolutely know instead of guessing. And then just, because I think a lot of it is online information that's not given by a real professional. And... uh, you know, companies, like you said, that come in. And so they're emotionally satisfied. The people are emotionally satisfied thinking it's taken care of. Yeah, and and it's nominal yeah. uh, to have a soil sample uh, processed, and it takes a uh, few days. A nominal the more, fee. The more <laughs> samples we have, the sooner they're processed. But, like, if it's a Thursday or a Friday and we only have one or two, it may carry over to the next week. Okay. But there is actually a report that is created and provided to the residents that bring in the soil samples. So that so, is, that's great. So we have people listening on Sarasota and Pinellas and Polk, so in Hillsborough. Wow. So they have to go to their extension office, yes. correct? Or they could maybe send it, mail it in to the extension office. But, uh, but their counties. Envelopes. Yes, their All county. the counties do yeah. that? The, yeah, the counties each do their yeah. own. So uh, and I just want to throw in that I use uh, compost that I make. For my fertilizer and any kind of additions are going to be brought in by some organic fashion so that's uh, yes. doable very doable so we have a couple of callers okay and i don't know what they want to talk about but i'm excited All so right. the first person <laughs> we will take is jerry hi jerry hey jerry hi. do you have a hi, question hi. or comment uh, uh, what's the name of the person i dialed in a little late i'm sorry what did you topic? just say we're talking about the nine Florida friendly principles of land of uh, landscaping and watering. What, what, one more time. Yeah, one more time. Florida friendly landscaping, the nine principles, and we're also talking about uh, water as well. Okay. So what I'm gonna well, I want to address the caller calling about Monsanto. Oh, that was an email. Uh huh. Okay. So um, what I'm going to say about Monsanto, um, and you guys can elaborate at will. So I don't know if everybody knows, but Monsanto is also working to control the global feed supply. Um, That's one thing that's, I think, really important. But I would say you can't really – Monsanto is a global corporation. It's not a good idea to piss them off. You know what I mean? Like, don't try to to knock them. Just do, as an individual, just do what you can to support your – feed system or your practices in where you live and then Monsanto is going to be Monsanto. You're not going to stop Monsanto. Well, it's no. almost like the U.S. government. No, but like you can, by your uh, actions, then you can encourage those actions to others. Exactly. And so it's I, personal. I think, I think we're saying the same thing. Yes, yes. We're saying that. So let me finish. Let me okay. Finish. So that's basically 
what I have to say about that. And um, I think it's really, really important. I appreciate you guys having this show. I think it's a good idea. And uh, just do what you can as an individual. But in terms of bucking somebody like or trying to fight somebody like Monsanto, I think it's not a good idea. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for your call. Appreciate it. All right. So the next caller we'll take is uh, Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Stephanie. Hi. Hi. Um, I live um, just north of Port Ritchie around 1952. Okay. And I moved up here from South Florida. All right. And what I noticed when I came up here is there's so many yards full of weeds. And I had a nice, um, I guess, sodded yard. And it just turned to weeds. And I don't want to put, I don't really care. Um, you mean you have a nice uh, yard of grass? Is that what you're saying? You sod, have a, yes. Okay. Sod. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to spray that? Is that what you're saying? Well, it's gone now. It's all of the weeds. Oh, good. Like so maybe, <laughs> maybe what you can do is eliminate grass and uh, start making bigger flower beds and put in uh, different uh, natives. Oh, excuse me. I am interrupting our ep- expert people here. So, y'all, what would you do if you had a big old weedy pile <laughs> of grass? I'm, what I'm concerned about, though, is everything, uh, the weeds just scatter through the yeah, air. that's and what no they do. what you do... Uh, you know, I've dug out, put weed fabric and mulch on top, and still the weeds come. <laughs> Y'all want to address that? Well, I will just weed use my... Weed fabric, too. So. <laughs> I used uh, myself as an example when I moved into that um, corner lot almost 30 years ago. It was all St. Augustine grass, and uh, it was a challenge for me to continue maintaining it as a monoculture because I was beginning to add more shade trees. And, of course, that's a challenge for St. Augustine grass. It really enjoys full sun environments. Um, So one of the first things that I did as I was laying out more beds for landscaping was to put about... Um, six inches of mulch on top of that. And I used uh, tree trimmers. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, as they were going through the neighborhood and I would see them if a tree fell and I would just say, hey, you can dump that over here. But and, and after it composted for a while, it just made a wonderful basis. Now you have to maintain that and weeds will land on top, weed seeds. And, and so there is some maintenance to do, but it surely is for me. For the things that I like to do in my yard, it's easier for me to pull some weeds and reapply some mulch than it is to mow. Um, But uh, for those areas where you have that sunny spot and you just need a nice blaze of green to maybe highlight those beds, you do have to use UFIFAS recommendations on how to maintain those lawns. And that does mean some inputs as appropriate and according to science-based research for when to water and when to fertilize and okay, maintain I, that monoculture. I don't want a lot. Good. I think it's the total waste of Yay. It, it does take a lot of time and effort. And so that's the direction I went was to eliminate that and put paths in. And I have a variety of materials that I use for pathways uh, from uh, shell crust shell to um, palm leaves. I, when I, my palm leaves fall, I use those to establish That's my path pretty. and keep the weeds out. And then the mulch too. 
But I'll leave it to Lynn to finish it up. Weed uh, blocking cloth. Too. Right. Um, I have a couple comments on the weed fabric. Yeah. So if you think about it, it, it is a, it is a process. So you have your soil, and then if you're going to spend the money to get the weed fabric to put on top of it, and then you're going to put mulch on top of that, you're still going to get weed seeds that will get through that weed fabric, and you'll still get some weeds. But the issue is, let's say that then you want to plant some plants in that area. So now you have to pull the mulch aside. You have to cut it with a scissors or a knife. And it's it takes more work than if you wanted to have a landscape bed with some plants, then you should have just done that. It's easier to do it at the time and forget about the cost and expense of the landscape fabric. Yeah, six inches of mulch. And and what you were saying about the tree trimmers, that's the bomb. You can call up tree trimmers. They're happy to dump it if they can at your house. Uh, and also there's a thing called chip law, uh, chip Drop chip drop that you can register for, and it's a possibility you can get it. Sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes you get it right away. Thank you, Stephanie, for calling in. All right. Thank you. Bye. So I did want to also mention that sometimes weeds are actually native. So we have like Spanish uh, nettle and... Do you have other weeds well, there? Do you, do you have other? I let bodies well, yeah. grow because they're a wonderful medicine plant. They're great for the bees. But then when they get too big, I pull them out. You know what I mean? But they're going to have left some seeds, so the little ones are going to come back up. All so. right. So we have about 20 minutes left of the show. Oh we have gosh. a lot of principles to get through, but we have more callers. So okay. we're going to take the callers because... That's what we do. That's right. So hi, Marsha. Welcome to the Sustainable Living Show. Hey, Marsha. Hi. 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 I'm a, a new resident of Florida. We just moved into a home, and I have palm trees. And um, I, I heard you have to uh, um, fertilize them. Is that, is that true? All right, uh, Lynn Experts. and Julia. Well, first of all, of course, it depends on which kind of palm you have. Yeah, there's thousands. <laughs> There's quite okay, a few, and some of them are native. And do you know which kind you have? No. They're huge, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, uh, and then it also depends on how long they've been there. Do you know when they were planted? No. The house was built in 1986. Okay, so and chances are they're pretty well established. The only time... Oh, yeah. Hmm? She oh, said, yeah. oh, yeah. Okay. So... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what my experience is the the palm will tell you if it needs to be fertilized. And some palms will have the yellowing of the leaves and different patterns of yellowing. And at that point, I'm going to leave it to Lynn because she's the extension person. Well, I have a couple of questions or a couple of comments about that. One is you could take a picture of the palm that you're questioning what type of palm it is and then send that picture or take your phone and go into the your local county extension office and someone would identify that palm for you. And then there's going to be a University of Florida publication on palms in general and oh. on specific palms that will tell you everything you need to know about how to take care of that palm. Very good. So that would be helpful. Very but good. I, the native ones that I have in my yard, 
They don't require don't need anything. anything. They take care of themselves. Yeah. I mean, so many things do that. It's mostly we overkill because we like to love yeah. them to death. And we like to prune them to yeah. death. Yeah, over prune. Yeah, so, you don't want to prune your what? palm trees. You want to just let them go. Correct. If you're going to prune them, you should prune them. Think about the face of a clock from... Three o'clock to nine o'clock, and no more than yeah, that. Straight but hurricane up. pruning, like straight up, is the most damaging thing you can do. It to a starves palm. the tree. All right, thank you, Marsha. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to do one more call because then we got to get through principles four through nine. So first, <laughs> zoom, we'll zoom. take uh, Byron. Hi, Byron. Hi, how are you doing? Good, That's good. Great. That one of the problems that people have down here is that they have commercial mowers that mow your yard. By doing that, what they do is they transfer all the lawn diseases yes, and the they do. that pick up to your yard. Yes, they do. So unless you want to mow your yard yourself, you're going to get whatever the lawnmower guy picks up in his mower. All right. As well as the cutting tools. All right, Annie, we're going to go to Lynn. Okay, so, <laughs> so I have a comment about that. Uh, there is a program that is for professional landscapers, and it's Green Industries Best Management Practices, which uh, extension offices have commercial horticulture agents that teach these classes, and other people teach certain sections of that class. Mm-hmm. But one thing in the lawn and landscape section, which is a section that I teach, is that it's recommended that people that are mowing lawns have to wash off, blow off, rinse off the blade from one property to the next. Now, is that practical? Never. Maybe not. I have never seen it happen, <laughs> but either. that would stop the transfer sure. of a weed or a disease or an insect issue potentially from your yard to the next yard or the next yard to your yard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even cutting tools, like, uh, you know, you're supposed to take alcohol and clean your own cutting tools when you've done a cut, just so you don't transfer a problem in your own yard. So, it's tricky. I have one more comment. Sure. Uh, Monsanto is owned by Bayer Chemical in Germany. They've already been sued heavily for Roundup. I can't understand why Roundup hasn't been banned in the United States. They just changed the name. Uh, no, it's just it's Roundup. It's still Roundup oh, here. Okay. And uh, I worked in the uh, arboretum at the University of Michigan when I was a student. Those chemicals were toxic in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. It, it's just that these corporations uh, want to make money. That's right. Florida has a problem with uh, phosphate mining and with uh, too much nitrogen and septic tanks. It's never going to be corrected. It would require too much money. And the present governor does not want to address these problems. Nope. Thank you, Thank Byron. Thank you. We appreciate it. So in the beginning of our show, we always say we need to balance people, profit, and planet because that's the definition of sustainability. And, yeah, we it's it's hard. You it's have very to- <laughs> hard because money is a big factor in yes. a lot of people's minds, and they don't think of the whole picture. They just think of that and how to pad their pocket. Yeah. So. We got 16 minutes. We're going to do the speed round. <laughs> Speaking of mowing lawns, you can have a lawnmower that mulches the grass clippings back into the yard. So, Julia or Lynn, would you like to talk about the fourth principle, which is mulch? 
Oh, um, we both love mulch. <laughs> I'll fight you for that one. Okay. Yeah, go so, ahead, Julia. What I want to say about mulching mm-hmm. is that we rob our soil of the opportunity to be productive and, and full of nutrients by removing everything, all of the leaves and the grass clippings from our yards. Um, and so... Uh, what we are calling it now, uh, one of my bosses, Brad Baird, and I have a great uh, trade-off. Uh, I take his bags of oak leaves every year, and uh, when I get some food on my garden, I give that back oh, to him. Oh, that's sweet. And uh, so we call it Tampa Gold. Those beautiful <laughs> oak leaves, they pour out of the bags so beautifully, and uh, so they are mulch. They help my uh, garden be a little weed-free mm-hmm. and at the same time working it into the soil so that you have that beautiful hummus. No, not hummus, humus. That's the stuff that we eat with, uh, <laughs> right. with So you get the humus <laughs> built up on the top of the soil. We like hummus, though, too. Yes, Both so of those. <laughs> mulch should actually be two to three inches when it's settled. Yeah. So it could start out a little higher than that, but two to three and pull it away from the stem of the plant or the base of the tree. Yeah. I put uh, two giant buckets right next to my compost pile of the brown oak leaves, and that's my browns. So Mm -hmm. the fifth principle is attract wildlife. And my question is, we're talking about the nine Florida-friendly landscaping principles. So what... Are we, is there a mission for the Florida friendly landscape? Like, why? Yes. You know, why are we promoting wildlife? <laughs> because they're pollinators. Yes. So think about it uh, birds, butterflies, bees, hummingbirds, all of those, they're pollinators. So they're doing our work. They're pollinating. We get fruits, we get flowers, we get vegetables, all this stuff. So it's wonderful. And it's so much fun to watch them. It Who is. doesn't love watching birds? at a bird feeder. Now, you just have to be smarter than the squirrels. And some days that's possible. It's not possible, ever. I have the kind that closes off when the weight of the squirrel gets on it. Works pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) I have that too. (laughs) But they'll do anything to get to it. I had a hawk get a squirrel the other day. (laughs) You had a hawk that got a squirrel the other day? Oh, how was that for you? Feet from us. (laughs) How was that for you? Well, I prefer that over the chickens. Yes. Yeah, I, I've never seen that happen, but it's pretty traumatic, I'm sure. Yes. And my, my little preference and my wish, this is a personal thing. Gardening is very personal, of course. Yeah. But with the state of development occurring and birds and butterflies and animals, mammals even, yes, there are mammals other than humans on the planet, <laughs> need you. to migrate through the area still. And every little bit of land, every patch that we have can provide shelter and with some of the native plants like right now the beautyberry it's gorgeous in my so yard pretty. and every day i see the birds coming to it and the robins when they migrate will stop at that bush so these are the things that are so important it's not always just about what we're enjoying personally it's making sure that other life forms can function greg uh talked about that hugel the other day he was on the show or on the yes Zoom, and we talked about uh oasis so mm-hmm. is there oasis uh, for different uh, wildlife that are running through to go? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mine's the only place in the neighborhood left. <laughs> and they all need food, water, and shelter. Yeah, they do, just like us. 
All right, so it's our responsibility to provide them with yeah. that. And the next principle, principle number six, is manage yard pests responsibly. So what does that look like? And Well, how- first, the very first step that you have to do is you need to identify what it is because you may think that it looks like a pest because there are good bugs that look like bad bugs, exactly. but if you don't know the difference, then you're going to be trying to kill the good bugs. Right. So first thing is identify what it is. Your extension office can do that. You could take a picture and email it in. You could bring it in. Tampa Gardening uh, Swap. Okay, Tampa Gardening <laughs> Swap. Well, I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> but it's nice to have the professionals it also identify. So that. <laughs> and then when you identify it, then use the least toxic right. product that you can use in order to eliminate it. You know, everybody hates those great big huge uh, grasshoppers, those lovers. Oh my goodness, they can eat down my yard, uh, my plants, not turf, my plants in a heartbeat practically. So a lot of people uh, say that they pick them up and put them in a bucket of water, but if they're the bigger ones, they're, they're really jumpers. So I just step and squash, that's what I do. Um, <laughs> Most insects I'm fine with, so long as they're not devouring the majority of the plants. Good yeah. bugs, I'm no problem with them at all. If you have the uh, aphids, a lot of times if you just leave them, that's the food for the ladybugs. So if you don't have to go out and get ladybugs, they'll come. Correct. Uh, it's like if you have the thing, they'll come for it, um, you know. It, and, and there's also the mealybug destroyer. It just looks just like a mealybug, but it's big, and it eats the mealybugs. And it's also just deciding how much damage can you can. tolerate. You so f- on my coffee plants, for example, there is a time of year where there's a little leaf roller mm-hmm. and maybe a th- one branch, and I just let it go. It's yeah. like, okay, you're doing your thing. In a few weeks, it'll be over, so what? Right. Right. Tolerance. So uh, my friend just saw some lady beetle eggs for the first time that they took a picture, and I think they probably sent it to UFIFUS or something. So and they didn't react, overreact, and kill it first. See, that's yeah. the other thing. Because we've seen ladybug larvae before. Yes, and they're scary looking. They're scary looking, but yeah. they're very good. Yeah. So um, back to what Julia was mentioning, principle number seven, recycle yard waste. Uh, that's the principle. So uh, what do you guys, how do we do that? How much uh, pest and disease can we put in the compost bin to recycle it? I have never had an issue at all with my compost bin. And and the thing about compost is that it just happens no matter what. So I actually compost uh, kitchen scraps in an official composter. And our solid waste department with the city of Tampa has a wonderful program. Uh, And as well as UFIFAS, you can also attend a program there. And with both of those programs, get your composting kit. Um, But also keep in mind that these are all ways to develop your soil, which means you have to water less, fertilize, or la- fertilize less. So there, that plays a role altogether. Yeah, the Should you also. put invasive species like air potato and ferns and other stuff in your compost bin? Or be- weeds? I would discourage that just because uh, what if it doesn't heat up to the extent it needs to, and then you're just going to have more invasive plants. Yeah. Good point, Kenny. If I'm pulling skunk vine or air potatoes, those do go in my garbage can. Yeah, yeah. I um, uh, have grown lots of seeds from uh, <laughs> that I didn't know I was going to grow. Right. 
So I had a cantaloupe the other day. <laughs> Florida is a giant uh, peninsula, as we have experienced last week with the hurricane. Yes. And principle number eight is reduce stormwater runoff. So why do we care about that? <laughs> and, and how do we help the runoff? Well, here's the issue with runoff. When you have water that's running off of your property, it's picking up whatever may be on your property or your neighbor's properties. And that could be pesticides, insecticides, uh, fertilizer. If it's not swept up and put back where it should be, then here's what it's going to do. It's going to be on a hard surface, go down the driveway, off the sidewalk, into the street. From the street, it's going to the nearest stormwater drain. Then it's going to the lake, closest lake, river, ultimately Tampa Bay. And then what happens? What happened just this year? Algae bloom. And manatees were dying. Absolutely. So all of us have a responsibility to watch what it is that we're using, to use it appropriately, and clean it up. It's a cumulative effect. And just look at what's happening to the state of Florida. We have to be more mindful individually. And I know that your listeners understand that. And that's why they're listening. And spread the word. <laughs> yeah, it's, we're not, we don't live in a bubble. That's right. Uh, so yeah, we're all interconnected. So we do have a uh, text message from JoJo and Dover. And they want to know, they live on about two acres. Should I just mow my leaves into the soil? Oh, Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Why yeah. not? <laughs> and if you have access, just bring them to me. <laughs> <laughs> Take a walk through the nearest forest and see how well it's doing. Yeah. Nobody's raking up the leaves there. Or yeah. vacuum. <laughs> we could mimic nature. And then what we have, one more principle. Yeah. Protect the waterfront. And what does that mean and how do you implement it? And we just got a few more minutes, but we're doing it. Well, one <laughs> thing is, if you live on the waterfront, don't mow so that the grass clippings end up in the pond or the lake or the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't make any sense and you're just gonna create more pollution and more issues. Uh, so you, sh- you could have plants and it's fine to have plants around a pond, just don't have them right next to the pond. People wanna see the pond and see some wildlife in the pond, but don't mow, don't fertilize within 10 feet, 20 feet of a pond. Mm-hmm. 20 feet. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, and so when you're talking about waterfront, there are so many different types of water. We've got constructed water bodies that are there to do a job before they release water into the natural water body. So it's really important to understand if you're in a plant subdivision, some of those water bodies are designed to hold a certain amount of water. You don't want to interfere with the function of those. So it's a filtration system. It's a filtration system. It's also flood protection. Right. Um, and Retention yes. ponds is mm-hmm. what you're talking about, right? Retention We're ponds Florida, and retention the, ponds. the land of a thousand retention ponds. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just right. in my neighborhood. And it's a 10-foot maintenance-free buffer zone. So you would do plant materials that would be the filter and to hold the wall in place, basically. Natives are really good for those areas. And I just want to point out that in the city of Tampa, the Hillsborough River is our water resource. And the river runs through our city and we impact it without even knowing it every day. Mm -hmm. So being more aware protects that water resource and protects your drinking water. Thankfully on Tuesday, all the retention ponds uh, around my house, they were basically drained to, you know, just to several inches, which is something I was actually communicating with like the council people about because I live on a very low area and the 
whole f- road would be uh, like two feet underwater when it, there's a hurricane or oh. heavy rain. So they did this preventative thing, although it didn't rain that much for where I am, and it worked out. So they did a draining, a better draining they system drained, for Yeah, three uh, retention ponds near me. Oh, that's All right, so we have two minutes left. We're going to ask uh, each of our guests one more question. And you guys can take whatever question you want. The first one is, you only have a minute, though. What educational <laughs> opportunities are available from UF IFAS? I know, I know we already talked about the water-type uh, classes, but are there other things that we could do? Sure. Um, at UF IFAS at Hillsborough County, we offer composting, vermicomposting, three micro-irrigation classes, and rainwater harvesting. So we offer most of those from February through November, and we don't offer those workshops in December or January because people are busy with the holidays. Mm-hmm. We have started offering webinars uh, through the City of Tampa Water Department conservation team, go team, and you can see those at tampa.gov forward slash save water. Uh, I'll be doing an irrigation uh, webinar on October the 27th. Okay, we'll have that link. Mm-hmm. And then on October 20th is uh, one on indoor leaks, looking oh, okay. for indoor leaks. Very good. All and right. You can also go to the Eventbrite and find a lot of that. You just punch it in, uh, IFS. Right. Yeah, you can just go Hillsborough County Extension and calendar. Or, or whatever events. county they're listening or, to. Yeah, Correct. whatever county. Correct. Yeah. All right, very good. So we do have another message, and it's from our friend Kitty Wallace. Oh, hey, yeah, Kitty. Kitty. Hey, Kitty. And I had this um, in my head, but I forgot until Kitty just sent me the email. This weekend, October 8 and 9, oh, our it's the USF Botanical Gardens Fall Festival. Yeah. Yay. It's from 9 to 3 both days. It's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Like 35 different vendors. There's a herb person, a rare fruit person, a native person, a houseplant person. And if you want to talk to the experts, you're welcome to do that. And it's a great time. Craig is the new director over there. And you can meet Craig. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful setting, too. It is beautiful. If you've never been there, which I was surprised a lot of people haven't, uh, it'll be your uh, sticking your toe in the water because it's just gorgeous. You can go back there again and again and again. You uh, might want to put some plastic or a sheet in the back of your car because you're going to be buying a lot of <laughs> stuff. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> or bring a, a, truck. a ladder and all, uh, <laughs> not a ladder, bring a, a, a wheelbarrow and or wear boots because it could get a little dirty. All right. Very good. Thank you so much, Julia and oh, Lynn. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so and, much. Uh, welcome. Annie, if you want to take us out. Sure, sure, sure. I'll do the reading. Uh, If you enjoy this program, please go to WMNF.org, donating through the tip jar and directing your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. Your donation helps keep us on the air. I think next week we're having our fundraiser as well, so please call in And we need your help. We do need your help. And the next hours here uh, will be Flea and uh, more public interest programming. You can switch over to WMNF's HD3 channel, The Source. And uh, next Monday morning, uh, we're doing our fundraiser. So please, please, please call in and give us your money. Uh, and I can't pronounce this. We'll name. be talking with Karab Gaber Michael about biosand filtration. Super. And you can follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living uh, WMNF, to stay in the loop. And I am Annie Ellis. And I'm Kenny Coogan. Remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look into the mirror. Thank Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.